The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, Senior Minister of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for participating in our show, The Intentional Spirit. We look at different uh, authors and speakers and teachers and, of course, my own teaching using the Unity Principles and how individuals can be in their humanity and yet fully absorb and express their spiritual oneness with the Creator and further their development and their divine magnificence. Today we have a former and retired historian, Coy Cross, who is the author of the book, The Dots, A Caregiver's Search for Meaning. Welcome, Coy. I'm delighted that you're with us today. Thank you, Temple. I'm really glad to be on the show today. Well, one of the things that I wanted to ask you uh, right up, because I did some um, research and looking at your work, and I'm I'm very grateful that you're doing the kind of work that you are doing. It's a very uh, well-needed conversation in our spiritual communities. You say the Dance, uh, D-H-A-N-C-E, and that's actually your website, thedance.com, versus the dance. What is the distinction of that and the difference with that? Well... I'll give you. I'll give you the short answer, and if someone wants the long answer, they'll need to read the book. Uh, I grew up as a well. The short answer is kind of long too, if I think about it. I, I grew up in southeastern Kentucky in the very fundamentalist churches, and I was always a questioning kid, trying to to figure out how to be good, how to do what uh, what God wanted me to do. Uh, and never getting any really straight answers. And then in 1980, I met a woman. I was going to a small unity church in Modesto, California, and the guest speaker that day was uh, the Reverend Carol Ruth Knox. And Carol Ruth, from the time that she opened her mouth, I thought, wow. And I think most of us have been in a situation where you can be in a fairly large room, in a fairly large group, and you look and see someone across across the room, and it's like you recognize someone you've never met before. It's like, aha, there you are. And and Carol Ruth and I had that kind of connection. There was probably 125 people in the congregation, and, and when our eyes met, it was like, ah, there you are. And so... For the first time, starting then, for the first time in my life, I heard a message that really resonated with me, that made sense. And uh, a few months later, I moved over to Walnut Creek, where Carol Ruth was a minister, and we became really close and dear friends, and I served on her board for years. And Carol Ruth saw 
Uh, and I'll give, give you a quote from the beginning of the book. It says, the dance says, it is a dance which humanity agrees to dance with God, a dance undertaken without promise or hope, yet each person knows that the dance will end in unification. And Carol Ruth was from Massachusetts, and she was very careful to differentiate between the dance and the dance, pronounced with her wonderful uh, Bostonian accent. And so, essentially, the, the, the title is this idea of living our life as, as a dance with the divine. That's really powerful and obviously so impactful uh, when people can understand that, that way with any of life's changes, realizing the dance, they're already looking from the beginning of how this is going to reveal a miracle. I was talking um, on Sunday and referencing and anyone that's interested, they could go to unitycampus.org and look in our archives of our various um, live stream um, talks and, and lessons. But I was talking about how Lisa Reamer wrote the book, you know, Let's Roll, and regarding her husband, Todd, that was on Flight 93. And she said the distinction that she was able to get to in her life is rather than saying, okay, come on, God, and fix my problems, and then that would be called a miracle, that she wanted to change and come from a whole new paradigm altogether, that any time anything occurred in her life, see it as a miracle initially that had come from God. And I thought that was a very powerful thing, and that's exactly what your work is kind of sharing and talking about, because it's highlighting uh, how to do that that spiritual dance in a way that's practical. And I love how you talk about deepening that journey of not only discovery, but practical spirituality. Because I always say, don't ever let spirituality replace common sense. You know, because there's a practical part of it that is... uh, I think that's why Jesus was such a profound way shore because of the practical application, the storytelling, the engaging and collaborative effort that he had with other people, realizing they played a part in their own healing. And I just, anyway, I just love the, the way that you're highlighting this work. You also say you may not like what is happening in your life, but accepting it is the first step towards tapping into your divine source where your best solutions reside. It's okay. The the book is is at least part of my journey, and there will be a follow on book. But this is part of my journey of being a caregiver for my wife, who is diagnosed with stage three level C ovarian cancer. And from very beginning, it's okay. I'll back up just a second. I had started out, uh, as I said, I met Carol Ruth Knox. I moved over to Walnut Creek where she was the minister, uh, began going to her, her church, uh, ended up, dear friends with her, uh, ended up on her board. And one of the wonderful things about Carol Ruth was Carol Ruth could see God in everything. And she would come in on a Sunday morning and have some practical lesson uh, she's out walking my dog, 
and ran into somebody and this and this, and pretty soon she she would have a lesson on seeing God. One of the most profound lessons I've ever heard. Carol Ruth was doing a getting ready for a Sunday lesson. She she was out on she had a houseboat uh, where she worked a lot of times out in the the uh, the Delta, uh, and a, a bug flew in the window and landed on her finger. And out of that came this absolutely profound lesson, uh, and the title was, Is There an Absolute Good or Evil? So every time that I would go to, to a Sunday lesson, and I went practically every Sunday she talked, I would walk out of there feeling like I had gotten something that would make my life better. And so uh, folks who've been around Unity for a long time uh, – know that in 1987, February 1st, 1987, Carol Ruth was killed. Carol Ruth was murdered. And this woman had such a profound impact on my life. I thought, someday I need to write about Carol Ruth and share the lessons that she had given that had such a profound impact on me. And so, as you said, I'm a retired historian. I went back to, I went back to graduate school late. So in 1985, I went back to graduate school uh, to become a historian. And so Carol Ruth was killed in 87. I graduated in 88 with full intention of writing the book. But I I went to work uh, for the Air Force as a historian. And and the, the difference between trying to write Air Force operational history during the day and write spiritual history Carol Ruth Knox in the evenings, uh, the split was just too great. And I finally decided, okay, when I retire, then I will devote myself to writing this book on Carol Ruth. So I retired in, uh, ninth, or in 2007. And by this time, I had amassed, I would guess, probably 500 of her Sunday lessons, everything that I could get my hands on that she had written, uh, tapes, uh, videos, all of this, and just absolutely immerse myself in her teachings. Then, and I, I started writing the book, uh, except initially I'm writing from the perspective of a historian. And if you read academic history, you know the, his, the, the histories are very impersonal. Uh, one of the no-nos is putting in I or me if you're writing academic history. And so what I was writing was just dry. And in 2009, my wife was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And immediately, immediately, I I had the sense, okay, this has tremendous spiritual lessons in this for me. And one of the the first things that, that I have to do is sit down and get to a place of acceptance. If I get caught up, and part of, part of this is from Carol Ruth's teachings, of seeing God in everything. Yeah. Uh, we, we tend to see God in things that come to us if we have some unexpected income, or a new person comes into our life, or uh, something good happens, we can see God in that. But something as tragic is having this woman that I absolutely adored, uh, cancer coming into our lives 
that's not easy. So coming to a place of one, seeing God is everywhere present, so God has to be in this too, and coming to accept that the idea of the search for meaning really uh, is the search for God in the most difficult situations. And almost immediately, I could come to a place of accepting, okay, God is in this too. I am not in charge. One of the, the wonderful lessons Carol Ruth taught was we tend to believe, if we're a new thought, we tend to believe if we do it right, it will turn out the way that we want to. She says, that's like believing if we do it right, God will let us be in charge for a while. And it doesn't work that way. Mm, so so true. It, it, it was it was coming to a place of acceptance, realizing I'm not in charge, realizing I can do everything to the very best of my ability, and it may not turn out the way that I want it to. But coming from that place allowed me to not get hung up in saying, "Oh my goodness, why is this happening to me? What did I? What?" One of the things that that bothers me again with new thought is people saying. Okay, uh, what did you do to draw this to you? And, and I mentioned in the book, in, in my, my first, my initial response to something like that is wanting to punch the person in the nose and ask them, okay, what did you do to draw that to you? But I, I, I don't believe in that. I, I think there are things that happen in our lives. I think God is involved in it. And I think they have tremendous lessons to teach us. I I tend to be really hard-headed. If life is going along sweetly and flowing and things are coming to me that I want, I'm perfectly content. I'm content to stay there and do that. But the things that that really impact me, the things I learn the most from, are the difficult things that come to me. In there, I found there are tremendous lessons in those for me. And so, (coughs) excuse me, almost immediately, having spent two years just immersing myself in Carol Ruth's lessons, almost immediately I was able to come to a place of acceptance and say, and knowing this has some tremendous spiritual lessons in this for me, as well as for my wife. Absolutely. And just so you know, there's so few people that do that in New Thought anymore, and those people um, have a very small following, if any. We call that metaphysical malpractice because, um, uh, you know, that is kind of a a do-over with uh, people that are still wanting to be in control of their own universe. We don't say that. We don't use that languaging with other people. We don't ask them, why did you call that to you or whatever. It's not really um, what I would consider any advocate of the true core of unity teachings because that's not where Myrtle Fillmore spent her time is thinking about why she drew that to her or why she caused it. Uh, For goodness sake, she spent more time on using the presence and power of God and calling in that presence in order that she see herself differently and having a different paradigm. So I know that um, I I feel very strongly about that. And um, 
I'm like you. If somebody ever approached anything like that or any members of our community with that kind of language, um, I love to, in a very, uh, let's call it a gentle spiritual nudge, <laughs> tell them to, you know, to go and take on a new, a new concept because it's inappropriate. It's not accurate and it's ridiculous. Uh, there is, there are very few people on the planet that are, that would consciously, uh, attract something or draw something in that would cause them pain and misery and suffering or whatever it may be. And it's just a very non-intelligent way of response. So um, in this window of holding this in your life and and this uh, circumstance, you found yourself being in a club that you didn't want to be in of of your wife uh, being diagnosed with with cancer. From that came um, more of that deeper search of meaning for you. Of, of how to hold space, how to understand uh, for your own life, how you could show up as that caregiving person and hold the high watch for, for Carol. Right after break, I'd be very interested in us talking about how you have been um, able to learn and enhance your listening skills uh, for people that are going through challenges of how we can really show up and offer that spiritual place. I'd be interested in knowing more about uh, how you've been able to model that energy of a high watch, you know, while your wife has walked through this path and and the two of you have walked through it together. I want to remind everybody that I'm talking today with Coy Cross. He is a retired historian, now author of The Dance, a caregiver search for meaning. You can go to his website, thedance, dot com. If you'd like to know more about our community, unitycampus.org, you can write me at temple at templehays.org or the intentional spirit at unity onlineradio.org. I'd be very interested in knowing what types of shows you would like us to have on the Intentional Spirit. For those of you that write in the first 10, I'm going to send a free copy of How to Speak Unity. And also, Koi Cross is going to send a free copy of The Dots, a caregiver's search for meaning. So we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for your support with Unity Online Radio. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous love offerings of listeners like you. If you feel spiritually fed by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Do you sometimes feel as though the door to happiness has closed? and there's no other door in sight. In her book, Ask Yourself This, Unity Minister Wendy Craig Purcell reminds us that everything happens for a reason. We've all experienced situations which felt like anything but good. We may have lost our job or gone through a divorce or experienced some other dark night of the soul. Yet those very experiences, when met spiritually, can lead us to a much greater good. 
The lost job can be what finally motivates us to discover the work that truly feeds our soul. The ending of a marriage can trigger us to do the emotional healing and personal growth work we've been avoiding for years. Every one of us can look back at negative or painful experiences in our lives and say that they turned out to be the best, worst things that ever happened to us. For more insight from Wendy Craig Purcell, read Ask Yourself This from Unity House Books. If you're focused on getting the right answers, Ask Yourself This emphasizes the importance of asking the right questions. Order your copy today at www.unity.org. There is peace. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, It's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And thank you, everyone. And as we were going to break, I was talking to, to Coy, Coy Cross, author of The Daunt, A Caregiver's Search for Meaning. And we were talking about... Uh, his wife Carol and her and him as well being in a club that they never thought they would be in the club called cancer the club which so many people in our society today find themselves a part of and one of the things that um, that coy that we have said is so powerful on your journey and in your search for meaning was to work with the word acceptance and I know that acceptance, means a lot of things to different people, specifically in your ponderings and in your search for meaning. How do you define acceptance, and how did it support you with what you were facing with your wife? Um, in, in, in preparation 
for writing the book about Carol Ruth Knox. One of the teachers that I came across uh, was uh, a man named Adyashante. And probably, at least for me, his most profound teaching was summed up in the little phrase, I let everything be as it is. And that, that's what acceptance means to me. And it doesn't mean throwing up your hands and, and surrendering and saying, oh, my goodness, there's nothing I can do. It, it, for me, it, came, it was coming to a place of accepting, okay, my wife has a serious form of cancer and a fairly, well, an advanced stage of a serious form of cancer. I can get the best care for her, but ultimately, there's nothing I, I can I can ask friends to pray. I, I created a, a a prayer chain that went around the world. Uh, I can have silent unity pray, but ultimately, I have to get to a place of saying, "Okay, this is what is. This is what she has. I can't change that. What what can I really do?" And the answer that came for me is I can be consciously present with her. And so many times she told me that is exactly what I need from you. I don't need you to be caught up in trying to fix it. And I, I think I think I probably speak for a lot of men. Uh, that's that's what we try to do. We try to fix things. Uh, especially when our family's involved. But by being consciously present with her, by letting everything be as it is, it really cleared my mind to the stage of saying, okay, what can I really do? Be with her. I can listen, and I can listen with intention. And most of us listen on, at a pretty superficial level in that we listen to the words, and oftentimes uh, we're not listening closely to the words because we're thinking, okay, how am I going to respond to this? So I'm over here, and you're, you're telling me something, and I'm over here thinking how I'm going to respond. Uh, it's, it's more than we've, we've heard uh, the practice of giving feedback. Okay, what I heard you say was so-and-so and so-and-so. This is more than that. This is... Listening at a level, being with somebody, being consciously present with them, listening with intention, is listening behind the words, listening, seeing, listening to the expressions, listening to what they're saying, listening to the emotion behind it, listening to the words that are not spoken. So it's really hearing what the person is is intending to communicate, even though that may not be the words that they're speaking. So by doing this, by practicing this with, people can get confused when I'm talking because this is really the story of two Carols, Carol Ruth Knox and my wife, who was uh, Carol Martha. So this is really being able to to sit with, with my wife, Carol, and, and hear what was behind the words that she was saying. So in a, in a situation like this, 
I think I think there are tremendous gifts in in these kinds of very very difficult situations, and in in trying in getting caught up questioning questioning God questioning why this is happening any of that oh in, in getting to place of saying oh my goodness why is this happening to me this is worse than blah 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 we miss some of the tremendous gifts that are there by being consciously present by listening with intention my wife Carol and I got to a place of Closer to unconditional love, probably than anything that I had previously experienced in my life, maybe with the possible exception of the first time that I saw and held my children after they were uh, born. Excuse me if uh, <clears throat> if I get a, a little. I am uh, I'm so emotional about this. Um, well, intentional spirits are highly sensitive and usually emotional about their lives and understandable you would be emotional about it because this is um, such a significant part on your path and also a huge loss um, for um, saying goodbye on the physical plane to your life partner and your, your beloved yeah. wife. So if you weren't emotional, you would be robotic and we wouldn't need to do the show because we could just play a play a DVD. So, um, understandable that you are. And I just want to um, be mindful with people as well that the information that you're imparting um, affects and implies to a lot of situations in people's lives, whether their husband or wife has cancer or is facing um, a, a physical a loss. There's also so many other layers of grief and change and situations that this particular information applies and is impactful as well. So, and just like you're saying, um, with sometimes just accepting, you know, as Buddha would say, whatever is is best, it's not easy to come from that place. And it, like you said, when somebody gives us, you know, tickets to Broadway, it's easy to feel that way. <laughs> but when yeah. we're facing something that is very challenging or or that we don't understand, uh, a lot of people that, you know, own pets and treat them like their children, it's very hard to, to watch them um, age and then grow old. And it these kind of things that you're talking about as a caregiver – will impact and affect anyone because everybody is there about something, you know? Yeah. But one one of the other, getting to the place of acceptance, one of the other decisions that I made uh, was that I am going to be open and experience this. I, I know there's a profound spiritual lesson in this, and... Um, about 30 years ago, I was married before, and I'd been married for a year, and my wife was in a, a serious uh, car accident and suffered some uh, su- some su- substantial brain damage. And the pain was so great 
that I chose at that time to numb myself uh, to it and uh, drank more than I should uh, and just much of the time uh, dealt with the emotions by trying to numb them out. When with Carol's diagnosis, I made a conscious decision, I will handle this differently. This is, this is a profound spiritual experience. It's going to be really painful, but I am choosing to, to experience this and to, to feel the emotions and to stay open to all of it. So I did, <laughs> and, and that's, that adds to, to the emotions, uh, too. So. Oh, yes, absolutely. One of the other things I would like to mention to uh, Temple, um, being a caregiver is not the kind of experience that most men uh, can envision themselves being in. I've come to realize that, that as as men, uh, for I don't know how many generations, uh, for millennia, our role has been to provide and protect provide and protect for our families. Uh, and suddenly, uh, in our society, as we age, we find ourselves, men are more and more finding themselves in the role of caregiver. And one of the, one of the big differences, I think, uh, between men and women, one of, the, one of the gifts that I've been blessed with, uh, several years ago, uh, I became... Uh, involved with uh, a unity men's group. And I, I've been blessed with some wonderful, wonderful men uh, in my life. And what, what we find, though, typically as men in the role of caregivers, and this was my experience 30 years ago, was I'm strong, I can do this, I have to do this myself. And it's almost like I have to do this alone. Reaching out is a sign of weakness and all this other stuff that we as men tell ourselves. Well, one of the things this time, and uh, I think this is a big difference for men and women as caregivers. I think women traditionally are more inclined. This is a role that women have have had forever. Uh, and women are more inclined to, to have other women in their lives and have women they could go and talk to. Uh, men having other men in their lives and having the kind of relationship, uh, and one of the, the divine gifts for me is my friend Greg. And Greg and I have the kind of relationship that I could go talk to Greg and say, ah, oh, this is really hard. I, this is what I'm struggling with today. And oft times, all Greg offered me was this non-judgmental presence and ear and being that is sitting there. He didn't, if, if I asked, he would give me suggestions. But most of the time, I just needed, to, <laughs> I needed him to be consciously present with me. And he was. So, this is one of the, the great gifts, 
and one of the real sources of strength for me. If there are other men in your audience that that are uh, in this kind of role, I would encourage you to have the courage to reach out to other people, to other men in your life, uh, and, and just say, let's have coffee and let me talk. Uh, Greg and I probably, we probably got together for coffee uh, on the average of about once a week. And I could go catch him up on what's happening with me, uh, what was happening with Carol, and, and just just go be with somebody uh, that, in essence, was uh, playing the role of a caregiver for me. One of the other sources I would strongly encourage men to take uh, take part in, uh, many of the cancer treatment facilities have support groups. And thinking that, oh, I'm, I'm, my first approach was reluctant to go. And, and the reason being, I didn't want to, I had enough going on in my own life, I didn't want to go listen to other people's stuff. And the truth is, by going, these are kindred spirits. These are some of the few people around who really can understand uh, what you're going through. And many times they have uh, come up with, with, with ideas or, or with approaches or with things that, that work for them. Uh, and you, you can get feedback there for what you're, you're, what's going on with you, what's uh, what's working uh, for you or what uh, may not be working in some good ideas. So there, there's, and just wonderful support. And I, I would strongly suggest that. And many of these programs have grief counselors. And, and from the time that, that Carol was diagnosed, the, the, one of the, the first responses that I heard was, your life has changed forever. This is a new normal, and that's absolutely true. Uh, and so my grief started right then. I loved the lifestyle that we had. Uh, I, w- I was retired. Uh, Carol was a marriage and family therapist. She was still in practice. Uh, she was doing what she loved. She was doing what she truly believed was God's work. Uh, so we had an active life. We had a, a good circle of friends. Uh, I loved that. And with the diagnose, diagnosis, that changed. So many of these programs also have grief counselors. And I, I would again encourage the men, have the courage to ask for help. Have the courage to see a grief counselor. One of the other things that I came to realize, okay, there are certain things that I can do and only I can do uh, as far as being with Carol and, and doing the most that I could to help her. But and there that are care, other things. And that caregiving energy. And I just would like to say that we want to look forward to that thought when we come back after break. Also, I want to remind everyone how much we appreciate your ongoing support and donations for Unity Online Radio. Because of you, 
either holding the prayer that we continue to get donations or giving as a way of of getting back what you give. We're able to reach um, hundreds of people, thousands of people, and are knowing millions of people across the globe. And we thank you so much for your continued gifts. I'm Temple Hayes and talking today with Coy Cross, and we'll be right back after this short message. wellness expert, Dr. Michelle Robin on healthy living. In the game of wellness, there's some basic habits that you need to embrace in order to live a well life. In her book, Wellness on a Shoestring, Robin shows you that complete wellness of body, mind, and spirit doesn't have to cost a fortune. Client Eddie Penrice turned his health around with Dr. Robin's seven habits for a healthy life. I've got to say my body just embraced the change. Besides feeling better, looking better, thinking more clearly. Many of Robin's seven habits for a healthy life are simple and free. She offers tips and shares real stories from clients like Eddie, who've incorporated the habits into their lives and seen the results. You can make this change by being convicted that you will do it. That you don't need anyone else's assistance or help to do it. Make this the year you get healthy. Discover a low-cost, attainable path to feeling better than ever. Order wellness on a shoestring today at www.shopunity.org. I will leave this world as it is. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Thank you, everyone, and we are talking about today changes that people go through in their lives and how to be intentional about those changes, and I am talking with Coy Cross. He is the author of The Dance, A Caregiver's Search for Meaning. I love the idea, uh, Coy, and I speak about it often when I talk to chaplains or I talk to people that are leaders in their community, there's a... There's a big difference between being a caregiver and a caretaker. A caretaker takes on what someone is going through. A caregiver is the lighthouse. A 
caregiver is present. A caregiver is being consciously present, as you alluded to earlier. And I also noticed on your blog that you have some great teaching. And I would urge others to consider going and signing up for your blog on the dance, D-H-A-N-C-E dot com. Before we went to break, you were talking about the importance of being in a group and specifically to men, which that is so true. And the other aspect of it is anyone, when you're going through a change in your life, to get out of yourselves, to have somebody else, to see you, to hold the space for you, is always very powerful. As far as I'm concerned, Coy, that's one of the main reasons that we have spiritual community, because people really don't need to come to a building to get God. You know, they can go on the beach or or an ashram or be outside or whatever. But it's great to have community so people can mirror back to you possibilities. So in that, you have found and what you found with um, the physical experience with your wife, how important it was to use resources and to have people help you and support you. And you're so right. I think that sometimes uh, we get so into, you know, making it or surviving it or going through it or whatever that may be, that we stop thinking out of the box about, well, now that I am here, what are some other things I can do? Yeah, one of the, the things I wanted to follow up with for just a second, Temple, is is the idea of of help. And as I said before, I, I realized, okay, there are certain things about being with Carol uh, that only I can do. But there are other things, and the, the classic example for us, there are other things that I don't have to do, I can have someone else do, or I can hire someone else to do. And the classic thing for us was housekeeper. When I, when I first approached the subject about, I, I, want, to, I want to hire a housekeeper. Uh, Carol, I think, reflects what many women, uh, the attitude they have is, well, I'm not sure I want another woman coming in and taking care of my house. And my response to her was, sweetheart, this is not a, about you. This is about me. I, I, need some, I need somebody to do this daily kind of mundane stuff so that I can be present with you. And the, the, you mentioned the difference between being a caretaker and a caregiver. For me, the big difference is a, a caretaker wants to, one, take on the responsibility uh, for, for the other person and feel like that they can, they can fix that, this is mine. Uh, they, they take on the responsibility for everything. And, and that doesn't work. I tried that 30 years ago, and it didn't work then, and I knew it wouldn't work now. Being consciously present with her, having stuff that other people can do, being willing to to really, one of the things, again, I would stress to the men, take care of yourself. If you're dealing with most of the long-term illnesses, uh, and the classic line is, this is not a sprint, this is a marathon. And if you try to approach it, doing everything yourself, 
being totally responsible for it yourself, pretty soon you're going to be so burned out that you cannot be there in a quality way for the person that you want to be there for. So taking all of this really is about taking care of yourself. Um, and again, as men, we're reluctant to, to do that. We're more inclined uh, to be willing to sacrifice ourselves uh, on the altar rather than taking a step back and saying, geez, I could use some help with this because I'm going to need to be doing this for a long time. Yes, I think that fundamentally it's also difficult for so many people, you know, to reach out and to to ask for help. Um, and it, it can be sometimes those little things that will make a difference. And uh, when people offer to help us, it's important as intentional spirits to say, thank you. Yes, I will accept. You know, what would that look like for you? Because it just makes all the difference, you know, in the world. One of the things well, that... Of... Go ahead. Well, one of the things that, that I've realized... One of the greatest gifts that we can give to other people is allowing them to give to us. In a, in a situation where, where there's a serious illness, where there's cancer, people around want to help. And thinking of, of things, you, you, you know, friends wanting to, to bring meals over, um, that's a big help. And if, if a person refuses that. Oh no, I've got that I've I've got that covered. A friend who wants to come over and and sit with uh with the person that that has the illness. Uh and say, Oh oh no, that's not necessary. I mean you're really depriving the other person of, of one of the great joys in life and that's helping in a meaningful way. And I I, I keep going back to men. All these things refer uh, of course apply to women too. But but I, I think more classically, it's it's the men who who tend to feel like, in essence, they are, have to be a caregiver, in, or I'm I'm sorry, a caretaker instead of a caregiver. That they, they 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 all of us can fall into that trap, but I, I think it's in our society it's more easy for men to fall into it than women. Well, and part of it is because um, men, it's kind of a social thing of, or an understood thing. Hopefully we're changing that, you know, that men aren't supposed to need something or someone or they're supposed to always know how to do it and, you know, all those kind of things. And wow, the pressure, you know, to have to go through those kind of feelings when, Nothing could be further from the truth. The most sensitive people, some of them on the planet, are men. But as we always say, and as I say on Sunday, that's a different talk for a different day. But I, yeah. think, the key, I think the key that you're alluding to, and I think this is very important for everyone to understand, is that when you model uh, holding the high watch for somebody else, you want to bring to them energy inspiration, a hope, uh, being consciously present, as you have said earlier. And when we are in that caregiving mentality, that's exactly as an intentional spirit what we're able, able to offer. 
you know, people say, well, you know, how can you be so positive about that? It's like, well, because I feel a great call to be positive because everywhere else they're probably getting people going, oh, poor you. Oh, my gosh. And what they need is some of us to say, I see this for you. I see possibilities. I'm holding the high watch for you because it does make a difference, you know. It, it does. One of the other things that I, I would share, um, the book ends with Carol, the book ends uh, in 2010 with Carol in remission. Well, later in the year, the cancer came back. And when the cancer came back, we were, we were pretty sure uh, that our time together was limited. And being able to be consciously present with her, being able to come to a place of acceptance, also meant coming to a place of accepting the fact that she was going to make her transition uh, probably pretty soon. And it meant that she and I could talk about that. And, And she needed me to be able to talk to her about that and not say, oh, no, 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 that's not going to happen. You're going to get better. You're going to get well. We held, we held a place that some, uh, for lack of a better word, some miraculous healing, some new uh, medical breakthrough would come about, uh, some spontaneous remission would come, and at the same time, uh, were able to talk about her making her transition. And, and that's, that's in really end, powerful. In the end, when, when she did, uh, she, uh, she had blood clots in her lungs. She collapsed at home, uh, and called, uh, 911, she went back to the hospital, uh, and from the time she went in, it was pretty clear that she was not not going to come out. And we, we had uh, made an agreement uh, that we would not do anything uh, to try to keep her alive artificially. If it was time, it was time. And so uh, they, they had her on a an assisted breathing machine. Uh, I don't know what the, the acronym stands for, but a, a BiPAP machine uh, for three or four days, and she she was getting she was getting agitated. Had him take the machine or take the mask off, and she said, "Be take the mask off. I don't want that. Take it off." And both of us knew. Okay, we t- we take it off, uh, and it's only a matter of time. What what occurred was, for about the last 10 days of her life, uh, they expected her, if the, the mask comes off, the doctor said she probably wouldn't last through the night. Well, she lasted another uh, week or 10 days. And it was a really sweet, peaceful period, um, probably three or four days into it. She was no longer responsive. Uh, but it, it was it was a period of her being absolutely surrounded by love, <laughs> not only from 
her family and friends, but the people who work there in the hospital. That's an amazing. So, that's an amazing it, it, story, it, it, and I'm I'm sorry to say that we are now out of time, but I know that you are going to be doing uh, part two in your book. And another reason that people want to follow you on your blog so that they can find out how this story continued to unravel. I really want to um, say uh, thank you, Coy, for being an intentional spirit. Thank you for using your sacred story in which to touch the lives and hearts of other people. And I really appreciate your being on our show today. God bless you on your journey, this amazing journey that we call life. Thank you. Thank you, Temple. And bless you, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and to join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific on Spirit of Recovery where we talk about what keeps you growing only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Things may happen around you. Things may happen to you. But the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. This meditative moment from Reverend Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity. If I were brave, I'd walk the races where fools and How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.